Here's a glimpse of what's coming up next on Contemplate. The kind of belief that says, I, I assent intellectually, I, I believe these things are true, that is not saving belief. Saving belief is, I believe it, I need it, and I accept it. A powerful truth, isn't it? That was Pastor David Robinson from Axe Church in Vancouver, Washington, and this is Contemplate. Salvation is free. You can't earn it, and you can't buy it. Let's learn more. Turn to Acts chapter 8, verse 18, and here's Pastor David. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered the money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. All right. That's, that's interesting. Simon, once again, we've already seen he thinks that he's powerful. He talks himself up, and then he's very attracted to the power that he sees with Philip. Now the apostles come, and they're laying hands on people, and people are, the Holy Spirit's falling on them. Now he's attracted once again to power and says to the, to the disciples, hey, can I buy some of that? How about I give you some money, and you give me the authority? That's what he's asking for. He's asking for authority right, from them to go do that thing. We call, when someone tries to buy an office in the church, we call that simony because of Simon. It's called simony. So in the past, historically, when there have been those who tried to purchase their way into authority in the church, that's called the sin of simony, all right? Um, and so that's, that's what people do. Uh, it's not good if that happens. Um, there is an eldership up for sale at this time, um, <laughs> Two for one if you guys have cash. So, no. Um, that doesn't work that way, right? So let's see, let's see how Peter deals with Simon after he asks to buy the authority to give the Holy Spirit. It says, but Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Um, yeah, he pretty much said, snap, right? He came back and said, listen, <laughs> brother, <laughs> or not brother, uh, your your heart is way off the reservation. He basically curses him. He says, your money perish with you, right? You thought that you could purchase the power of God, that it was for sale? That's, that's uh, a pretty wicked heart, right? And earlier we saw Simon claiming to be someone great, right? And then it says that he believed, but when we believe, here's something that happens that we know happens, okay? He who began a work in you is going to be faithful to complete it, right? There's a transformative power of God when we come to know him. He begins to transform us, literally to make us different and new in the sense that the things that we wanted before that took us away from God, we start to no longer desire them. And the things that take us towards God, we start to desire. But here we see Simon stuck in the same pattern. And Peter has the discernment to call him out for the poison, bitter soul that he has. His desire to have power. 
His desire to have power is so strong that he's blinded to the fact that you can't buy God. Right? You cannot buy the power of God. Let's look at the next verse here, verse 24. It says, Then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me, that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. Now let's, let's, let's watch his heart here, okay? What did Peter say? Repent. Repent. In other words, turn away. Change your mind. Change your attitude. Ask for forgiveness. That's not what Simon does. What he says is, you pray for me that the bad stuff you just said won't happen to me. Right? Once again, totally missing it. See, you cannot repent through another person. It doesn't work like that. There is one mediator between God and people. That's Jesus Christ. Period. When he died, okay, he finished the work. And when he finished the work, we no longer had to go through the priesthood. We no longer had to go to the temple in the same way. We didn't have to do that. Now we can go directly to the Lord to ask for forgiveness. Right? We have access to the Lord. Here's Simon. I don't even think he wants to repent. He just wants to avoid being in trouble. You know, my mom used to say, you're not sorry that you did it. You're sorry that you got caught. Right? She was right. Right? Normally, I'm just like, when's dad coming home? I'm, I'm out of here. Right? Um, I'm, I'm thinking about the punishment. I'm not like, yes, when I really think about it, that sin was something that I should have been more mature about. I, I'm not thinking that. I'm like, how can I get a phone book in the back of my pants so when Pops comes home, it doesn't hurt as bad, right? Hopefully he won't notice. Um, that's Simon here, right? Simon's like, hey, pray to God that, you know, that, that the stuff you just said won't happen to me. He doesn't turn from his sins. So what we see here is a possibility that Simon has the kind of belief that we see in James, right, where you have a belief he saw the power. He knew it was real, but there was no change. There was no submission. It wasn't about relationship. It was about his own power, it looks like. And although none of us can um, judge the heart of another person because we can't see their heart, only God can, we can assume some things about where Simon was at, okay? Um, church history suggests that Simon became a great enemy of the gospel, whether, whether that history is accurate or not, I don't know. It's not scripture. It's just church history. Okay, there are, there are some church fathers that have written about um, Simon and, and, and basically a number of things have been said about him, not good things. And one of the suggestions is that he actually started the philosophy of Gnosticism, which we've talked about before. I'm not going to go into what Gnosticism is right now, but it was a heresy that was relatively prevalent. We see Paul speaking against it and having to deal with uh, folks who had um, Gnostic beliefs. I don't think Simon actually started Gnosticism personally, uh, but I don't know. I wasn't there. Um, and it's not, it's not told to us specifically. Either way, there's a history of people looking at Simon as someone who ultimately rejected God, and obviously he believed, but it wasn't a saving belief, right? Um, and so, uh, because here's the deal. If you believe in Jesus and, and, and truly understand what it means to know him, you could not possibly think that you could buy the power of the Holy Spirit. It just would never occur to you. It would never occur to you. See, the power of the Holy Spirit is his power, not our power, right? It is a free gift when he uses his power through us. 
right? When, when we get the, the gift, the blessing of the Holy Spirit's power being used through us, that is a free gift that you could never buy, but it's still not your power. It's not you being great. It's the Holy Spirit's power. It's the power of God, right? And so that's the way that looks. Let's look at the last verse, verse 25, and we'll finish up this section here. It says, so when they had testified, this is the apostles, Peter and John here, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. So what, what do we see here? The word testify is an important one for you to, to put your mind on. What, is, what does it mean to testify? Well, it's what you do when you go to court. Right? Some of you have been there more often than others. So I'm not judging. Um, I've been there a lot, right, because I get paid to be there. So um, it was, it, it, it's, it's the thing you do when you, you know, make an oath and, and then tell the facts, Right? You say, what happened? You're only, one of the things is, in a court of law, you're only allowed to testify to those things you have personal knowledge of. You cannot testify outside of your own personal knowledge, okay? Or you get some guy like me standing up saying, objection, objection, um, you know, because you cannot testify of anything beyond that. So these guys, when they say their testimony, what is it that they're testifying to? Let me tell you what they're testifying to. The same thing they've been testifying to since the beginning of the book of Acts that Jesus Christ is God, that he died, and that they saw him alive after he was dead, that he rose again. They were direct eyewitnesses of this event. Okay, We've talked a number of times about how you and I have faith and believe based on the testimony of these folks and those that came after them in a continuous line from the beginning of the church to this very day in this building. Right, that the book of Acts has continued, that that's where we are. It's a reason why we call ourselves Acts Church, right? Because we want to be the church like that, and we believe ourselves to be in a direct line from the church in Acts, right? But we believe because of someone else's testimony, okay? That's where the, the faith side that comes in. We have enough evidence, right, to make a decision on whether we think it's true or not. And our act of faith was saying, yes, we believe that that evidence is sufficient and taking that step. These guys were in a different position. Peter and John had seen, had directly witnessed, which is why they could testify to their personal knowledge that Jesus Christ was alive. That's what they're doing. They're testifying, and they're continuing to preach on their way back to Jerusalem. They're jacked up. They've seen the Holy Spirit pour down on the Samaritans. They see the work of God happening. They go in and continue to preach the word to other Samaritan villages on their way back to Jerusalem. Okay, so what, what do we need to take from this, from this passage? There are, there's a lot, and I don't have time to go into too much because I'm already going to go over. Um, but there's a lot here. Let's, let's concentrate on the heart, the sin of Simon, right? Where was his heart? When he was doing this evil thing and asking to pay for power, what, what, was, what was his heart all about, right? And how do we avoid that heart? A lot of people think, um, you know, just like Simon thought he could buy the power of the Holy Spirit, a lot of us think we can earn or buy, however you want to look at that, maybe not with money, but with our actions that we can buy our way into heaven. Uh, there was a guy, he died, and he went to heaven and uh, was outside, you know, the pearly gates. Uh, and then P St. Peter's there. You guys know this theology. This is real solid stuff. Um, so St. Peter, of course, that's how it works. He's got a book. You've seen him, white hair. You come up and he checks your name and stuff. Um, so St. Peter's there, and he says to him, um, St. Peter says to the guy, look, I've looked through your, you know, your life. You haven't done that much good. You haven't done that much bad. You're kind of neutral. So here's the deal. 
tell me one really good thing you've done, and I'll let you in. Now, this is our earn our way to salvation joke. Okay. So he says, okay, I'll tell you one good thing I did. There's just this really good thing that I actually did. I was driving down the road, and I saw this mean leather jacket with studs, uh, you know, huge guys, like 50 bikers, this really rough gang of bikers. And they were about to beat up this young guy, this, this innocent young guy. And I pulled my car over on the side of the road, and I grabbed a tire iron. And I walked out, and I walked right up to the leader of that gang, and he had a you know, chain that was hanging from like his nose, like his nipples, and all this stuff. <laughs> I walked up, I ripped the chain out and I hit him on the head with a tire iron. And then I said to all these guys, you guys are horrible people. I can't believe you're trying to hurt this innocent guy. And you know, you better not do it or I'm going to give you a real hurting. And Peter was like, dude, that's legit, man. That is, I mean, you went and protected a guy that way. That is amazing. When did this happen? And the guy says, about two minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how it works, though, right? Peter's not there asking you what your good deeds are, right? And also, it doesn't work to go do that thing, or the same thing would happen to you. So call the police. Don't pull over and fight the bikers. Um, bad idea, okay? Um, but that's not how it works. You can't earn it, okay? Remember that when we use the word belief, there are different connotations, there is academic, intellectual belief, right? Brain belief. Yes, I believe there was a man named Jesus. Well, every, all historians of any, that have any kind of, uh, any scholarly articles under the belt, anything like that, they believe there's such a guy as Jesus, that he lived, that he's the guy that's described in Scripture. That, that's, that's not even up for discussion. Only crackpots talk about that there wasn't a Jesus. So if you see that, you know, you're on the internet and you got, you know, atheist blog or whatever, like, there probably wasn't even really a Jesus. That's nonsense, okay? Everybody believes that. That, that brain belief is there. That's done, okay? There's not even any arguing about that. Now, who he was, what he did, things like that, those things are, are more argued about, Okay? That he rose from the dead, we have very good reasons to believe that. That's a fact. You can go look at, again, Skeptics Forum, week seven. I talk very specifically and give a lot of the evidence that we have for believing that Jesus Christ actually died and actually rose from the dead. Okay, But you can have that belief. You can believe that. There are people who believe it, that Jesus rose from the dead. And yet their belief does not save them any more than it saves the demons who tremble. Okay? There is something more. A true belief in Jesus is also believing in your own need for him. Okay? There's nothing in your wallet. There's nothing in your wallet that can get you there. There's nothing in your life that can earn it for you. Okay? You cannot buy forgiveness. You cannot buy your way into rightness with God. Okay? When the husband cheats on his wife and buys her a big diamond, she might like the diamond, but you have not bought forgiveness. All you've done is insulted her and her creator by suggesting that you could fix that betrayal with money. Can't be done. I'm sure she'll take the diamond, but it can't be done, right? You can't, you can't do it. No more can you buy your forgiveness with the Lord. And if you could the amount of money would be beyond anything that the universe could imagine. Why? Because here's what it cost. It cost God's 
only begotten son. Think about your own son and sending your own son to die. It costs God's only begotten son to come and die and shed his blood for your forgiveness. That's what it costs. How much money is that worth? And what kind of an insult is it to our Lord to suggest that we could earn it? You can't earn it. You can't stack up good deeds. You can't say, hey, I came to church today. There's a Seahawks game going on right now, and I didn't watch the Seahawks game. I came to church and said, look how good I am. Throw that in the good pile. If I get enough in the good pile, they're going to let me into heaven. St. Peter's going to look, and he's going to be like, oh, yeah, more good than bad. And he's going to let you in. doesn't work like that. First of all, it ain't ever going to happen. Trust me, I know most of you. You can't do it. Um, <laughs> it isn't ever going to happen, okay? But even if it could... More good than bad is not perfect, is it? And you have to be perfect to with God because he's perfect. There's nothing he can do about it. He's perfect. He cannot take on that which is imperfect. He can't be in relationship with that which is imperfect. So he had to send his son to die. And any suggestion that you could earn your salvation or that you are the one who, that you happen to have the perfect life that you can earn salvation. That is rebellion towards God. That is rebellion. You know, oh, I believe Jesus came, I believe he died, but that was for you. I'm good. Huh? You know, well, I'm not a criminal. You know, there are people much worse than me. Why should I go to hell? That doesn't seem fair. Well, here's the deal. If you want to, again, Skeptics Forum, week six, talk about hell, if you're interested in that subject and why, why there's hell and what that means and the, the, the issues with it philosophically, go ahead and do that. But here's the fact. you got to be in hell because you can't be with a perfect God if you will not submit yourself and accept the sacrifice. If God has to look at you and what you have done, you cannot, he cannot have relationship with you. He cannot know you. He cannot be with you. There can be no communion. He has to look at Christ when he sees you. Can't buy it. You can't earn it. Stop trying. Okay, You should do what's right because it's what's right because it pleases your Father God. Because you're thankful for what he's done for you in sending Christ. Not because you think it earns you points that will get you into heaven because it will never work that way. Every other religion in the world, every other religion in the world operates on some kind of works basis that if you do enough, you can get there. There are people who will call the pastor up and, and they're rich and they say, hey, listen, pastor, lived a bad life, but here's the deal. I'll give a million dollars and build the wing of the hospital or build that building at the church or whatever if you'll, if you'll just say something to the big guy and get me into heaven. It doesn't work that way. There is no path to God other than through the blood of Jesus Christ. None. And so many of us have bought into the life. Of course, what's the, what is the best and easiest life for Satan? that you can earn your way. What did he tell Eve? Right? You could be like God. Right? You can't. <laughs> You're not. You have to understand your need for him. That's, that's the kind of belief that saves. The kind of belief that says, I, I assent intellectually. I, I believe these things are true that is not saving belief. Saving belief is, I believe it, I need it, and I accept it. That's the salvation that, that God sends to us, okay? Um, for those of you who thought that you needed to come here today to get points with God, and if you get enough points on that scoreboard, you're going to get into heaven, let me just tell you today 
so that there's no equivocation that will never work and you will never get there that way. The difference between Christianity and all these other religions is grace. It's a free gift. God has freely given you his son. And the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, he has freely given so that you can be with him because he loves you. And he would have done it for you. Just you. He did it for me too, which I'm really happy about. But he really, really loves you. And he was willing to do this just to have a relationship with you, his creature that he created. And so as you think, as we're about to take communion here in a second, and we'll, uh, Roger will come up and I'll pray, and then we'll go back to these tables and get the elements, the bread and the juice, and we'll come back to our seats and we'll take communion together. One of our elders will lead us in that. But as we're doing that, as we walk through this process, I want you to look at your own heart and ask yourself, have I ever really totally surrendered to Christ, recognizing my need for him, putting away my self-sufficiency, putting away my pride, recognizing that I have nothing to point to in front of God but Christ. Have I ever done that? If you have not done that, today's the day. Today's the day to do that, to recognize you have no sufficiency in yourself, but it is fully Christ that saves. Today is the day, and if you've realized that you need Jesus, you can do that right now, wherever you are. Simply thank Him for dying for you, ask Him to forgive your sins, be your Lord and Savior, and give you a brand new start, and He will. And if you have any questions at all, call us at 360-885-9000, or come see us at Axe Church this Sunday morning. You'll find all the info you need at axchurchnw.org. Well, that's it for today. I hope you'll join us next time for more with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.